welcome to Activist Connect, a podcast seeking to engage, educate and entertain to connect amnesty activists across the country. I'm Tiana and I would like to begin by acknowledging the Yagara and Turrbal people as the traditional owners of the land on which I'm meeting on here in Brisbane and I would like to extend my respect to elders past, present and emerging from wherever you're listening from and acknowledge that this land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome back to Activist Connect. In this episode, we're going to be talking all about LGBTQI plus rights at home and abroad. Now, here in Australia, there seems to be a large misconception in public discourse around LGBTQI plus rights. And many people don't realise that despite the success of the marriage equality campaign back in 2017, people in the LGBTQI plus community still face discrimination, injustice and equality at home here in Australia and all around the world. Amnesty International campaigns really hard to address the rights of LGBTQI plus people. I recently spoke to Kira. She's an amnesty activist and convener of the Amnesty Sunshine Coast Group, and she's going to chat to us all about campaigning for LGBTQI rights as an amnesty activist here in Australia. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, why you're so passionate about LGBTQI plus rights and how you got involved with Amnesty? I first got involved with Amnesty International through the University of the Sunshine Coast group. Um, Growing up, I was always that young person that was very vocally loud about my political opinions and issues that were happening throughout society. So I never really had that platform until I found this group where I could exchange in relatable conversation and opinions Um, a lot of the people that were part of that group were part of the LGBTQI plus community and that was also the first time that I really had a group that I could relate to being part of that community with Um, so I think that's a huge reason why I really jump on and put a lot of passion into the LGBTQI plus rights campaigns that Amnesty holds Um, you know identifying as part of that community definitely has a large part of the interest but in saying that like I, I just can't fathom how there are restrictions and lack of acceptance regarding people loving who they want and identifying how it feels right to them social change needs to be made and I am just really blessed with the privilege to be able to be someone that can help change it can you outline some of the key campaign areas that Amnesty International has to address LGBTQI rights One of the key campaign areas that Amnesty has to address the rights of this community is called BRAVE. So BRAVE is a global campaign calling for the urgent protection of human rights defenders, whether they're activists that have been detained for freedom of speech or reasons relating to their sexuality, um, whether their assets have been frozen, there are travel bans put in place. In some instances, in some countries, there's actually been disappearances that have been unexplained, so governments won't release any information for their whereabouts. So what we do as activists in Australia is send messages and calling on these governments that are responsible for the discrimination to undo the unfair punishments that they've put in place. So Amnesty campaigned really hard for marriage equality here in Australia, which was a huge success for the LGBTQI plus community. But a lot of people don't really realise that there's still a long way to go until we actually see equality for Australia's LGBTQI plus community. What are some of the key areas that need 
improvement. Where do you think that LGBTQI plus people still face discrimination, injustice or inequality within Australian society? I think that there's a massive misconception when it comes to the results from the marriage equality bill passing through Australia. I know a lot of people that believe that because we have a marriage equality in this country that there isn't any homophobia left. And to be completely honest with you, I can't stress about how incorrect that is. For example, I have friends that are in same-sex relationships and they are still too scared to come out to their parents because they have they fear of being outcasted. I know that personally I've held hands with another girl in public and I've received looks of disapproval. And even though they're silent actions, it's still discrimination and it's still something that makes me feel bad about my sexuality and my identity and it's really uncomfortable. Unfortunately, there's also a lot of phobia that comes from other members of the community. So there's a lot of biphobia and transphobia as well because they are new letters to the acronym, so to speak. Um, A lot of bisexual people feel too straight or they don't feel gay enough. And I think that really does create quite an outcasted feeling from a community they should feel so accepted by. There's also a lack of social and medical understanding of both transgender and intersex people as well, which obviously then results in a lack of education followed by a lack of acceptance within society, unfortunately. So what work do you do with Amnesty that specifically looks at LGBTQI plus rights? My work with LGBTQI plus rights and Amnesty International involves a lot of groundwork with our campaigns. So this means collecting signatures on petitions, writing letters in solidarity and encouraging other people to write those letters as well. So for example, quite a while ago, there was actually a church called Living Waters that was active within Australia and it had a really large presence within the gay conversion therapy practice in the country. And while that church isn't active anymore, sexual orientation change efforts are still alive in Australia at a level that's underground. So we had a national campaign that we were collecting data to attempt to make this practice illegal in Australia, which meant we also had a petition. We took that petition to Brisbane Pride that year and with the small team we had, we actually collected just over 1,500 signatures. So it was a really successful day for us. We also got to collaborate with a lot of other organisations related to the campaign and a lot of other LGBTQI plus members of the community as well, which is always going to be beneficial to the movement. What have been some of the biggest successes and challenges that you faced when campaigning for LGBTQI rights? So a success and a challenge that comes with campaigning for LGBTQI plus rights really sits hand in hand in my situation. So essentially I'm campaigning for my own rights and with any kind of protest, you're going to have that face-to-face conversation with someone that's going to dispute what you're trying to protest. And when it comes down to something being so personally wrapped around your life, it can be quite confronting. And I used to find it really upsetting when someone would hit back with negativity. But over time, I was able to build confidence in order to protest for these rights and to work for these rights and defend them. And that also made me quite confident to campaign for other human rights as well, which is definitely a personal bonus. But on top of that, it really enabled me to find a lot more acceptance within my sexuality and a lot more pride. And that's really affected me personally in a really positive way. What tips and tricks do you have for any amnesty activists across Australia who are keen to get involved in addressing LGBTQI plus rights? 
but don't really know where to start. I love offering tips and tricks to new and upcoming activists because I remember how nervous I was to attend my first meeting, but most importantly, I know how excited I am to be on this journey, doing what I'm doing with the absolute stellar team that I have. So my first tip is obviously contact your local Amnesty chapter and attend a meeting. You'll meet new people and you'll make friends from the first time you're there. From then on, they're going to provide you with all the training that you need. So you're never going to be thrown into the deep end. It's such a supportive environment. My second tip would be to listen to stories from other activists, whether it's amnesty related or not. And if it's LGBTQI plus rights that you really do want to defend, listen to stories from the rights holders. And that can really cross with any campaign as well, because they're going to provide you with the most rawest understanding as to why they do need defending. And I can promise hearing those stories is going to start that fire in the belly. And then from then on, it's going to be 100 kilometers per hour and you're not going to stop until you see change. And it's so rewarding. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about your activism or LGBTQI plus rights with our listeners? If I get to finish this with anything, it's going to be a message to other activists that are listening to this podcast. Do not underestimate the signatures that you collect on your petitions or the letters that you write or the letters that you encourage other people to write. All of this is used not only for research, but that one letter that you might think of not writing is one piece of pressure or one piece of inconvenience that ends up in a member of parliament's office and can be the one thing that stops these people from making the change that needs to be done. All of your work is so important and it's absolutely detrimental that it is continued. Look after yourself, take pride in your work and know that absolutely everything that you do is so important to social change. In particular, LGBTQI plus youth experience various challenges because of how others respond to their sexual orientation or gender identity or expression. This is also really true for youth who are questioning their sexual orientation or gender identity or may be perceived as LGBTQI plus. LGBTQI plus youth here in Australia still experience high rates of physical and emotional bias and violence, rejection by their family and peers, and inadequate supports in schools, employment and communities because of their sexual orientation or gender identity and expression. Wear It Purple is an advocacy organisation for LGBTQI plus youth committed to respecting diversity and social equality. They value empowering and equipping young people to instigate and enact change, mentoring as a way of empowering and equipping young people to incite and enact change, education as a means of social change, actively engaging with our communities in relevant ways to foster positive attitudes towards rainbow young people, working collaboratively in their own team alongside their own communities, and support in creating safer and more supportive environments for all individuals irrelevant of their sex, sexuality, or gender identity. I recently spoke to Brock from Wear It Purple about the work of Wear It Purple and LGBTQI plus youth issues here in Australia. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, why you're so passionate about LGBTQI plus rights and how you got involved with Wear It Purple? My name is Brock Goy. I am 23 from Sydney, Australia, and I'm passionate about the LGBTQI plus youth rights in not only Australia, but the world, because I think I've grown up in a community where 
I've seen so many of these challenges faced not only myself but in my peers around me and these issues still continue to exist and I think that's probably the main reason of why I got involved with Wear It Purple as these issues are still around in society and it's something that I want to be a part of and help change in the world. What are some of the key areas that need improvement where LGBTQI youth still face discrimination, injustice or inequality? When we look at some of the areas that need improvement still in the LGBTQ youth community, um, a lot of these areas are still facing the discrimination, the injustice and the inequality. And in particular, we're still looking at schools and groups that are being able to exclude and punish people for you know, their gender identity or sexuality. And that there alone really shows the message that they don't belong in the community or that there's no place for them in society. We also see the trans community being one particular group these days that has really been the forefront of facing the discrimination around uh, a lot of the issues in society. And it comes down to the lack of education and people wanting to learn and understand you know, who these people in the community are, because at the end of the day, it's all just normality and people are choosing to exclude that. Can you tell us what Wear It Purple Day is all about? Wear It Purple Day started back in 2010 and it was created off a lot of the issues that were going on in society. And unfortunately, a lot of these issues still do happen in today's time. And it's around the bullying and the suicide that occurs. And with the day being created, it had a strong message. You have the right to be proud of who you are. And it's a message that we still carry on so heavily into today's celebrations. So on the day, we encourage people to wear purple and to show their support for not only the LGBTIQ youth, but to the LGBTIQ community. And it's a day to really stand strong and tall and proud with them and to encourage them that they're not alone and that they see that support and that they can be proud within who they are. What have been some of the biggest successes and challenges that you've faced in your activism with Wear It Purple? Personally, some of the biggest uh, successes that I've had with Wear It Purple and a lot of the work that I've done in the community is being able to meet so many people that have inspired me to keep on going with the work that I do. And not only through these stories that I've heard, some of the people that I've met, you know, they've come to me and they've shared their personal experiences and why Wear It Purple has meant so much to them. And even in some stories, how it has saved them and kept them going in the society. But then off the other hand, there's some of the challenges that I've faced in, you know, doing a lot of the work that I do is in the education side, you know, trying to bring the awareness and the education to people. And it's the biggest challenge is for those that don't want to listen. And, and unfortunately, it's some of the times that we see that these people that don't want to listen often the ones that are reflecting the harmful social norms on society and you know it's these challenges that we need to change and through the education we hope that it will change one day so wear it purple is committed to respecting diversity and social equality you guys value empowering mentoring education engaging collaboration and support in helping to achieve your vision and creating safer and more supportive environments for all individuals, irrelevant of their sex, sexuality, or gender identity. What actions do you think individuals, activists, workplaces, or schools can take to get educated about sexuality and gender diversity? There are so many great resources out there, depending on what the individual workplace or school wants to learn about. Using Google and reputable sites obviously is a really good start, but documentaries, YouTube videos, and information sheets are also something good to rely on. There is so much content out there to cater for these needs and what the individual can learn about can always be tailored to their own learning, the school or the workplace setting. 
There are general LGBTIQ plus content, or alternatively, there's also information to educate people on transgender and gender um, awareness. What actions do you think individuals, activists, workplaces or schools can take to celebrate diversity? On an individual level and activist level, I think celebrating and showing support for diversity in your intermediate social circles is really important. That can be from your peers, your colleagues, sporting clubs and any sort of involvement that you have just with the general public. And in doing so in person or on social media is also really important. When we look at social media, it has changed the way we do things and it's provided us with more opportunities to celebrate diversity by simply sharing the posts or a positive article on topics relating to the LGBTIQ plus community, you can send a strong message straight away of support and acceptance. And when we look at schools and workplaces, there's a really strong chance and opportunity for people of making it the significant LGBTIQ calendar days important and show that they stand with the people. It not only celebrates the diversity, but it's really affirming to those, um, the people with diverse sexualities and gender identities, where they stand and how they support them. These days really can range throughout the year and they can include where at Purple Day, which is celebrated on the last day of August, International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia, Biphobia and Intersexphobia. That's on May 17th. Transgender Remembrance Day, that's on November 20th. Intersex Awareness Day, that's on October 28th. And World AIDS Day on December 1st. Another thing a school or workplace can do to celebrate is have an active network and make up uh, the allies and the community members coming together and showing their support all in one group. What actions do you think individuals, activists, workplaces or schools can take to advocate for LGBTQI plus youth? Whether you're an individual activist, workplace or school, you really need to be vocal about the LGBTIQ rights and achieving equality within society. Advocating for a safe, inclusive environment every opportunity you get. The schools in particular, critically looking at the school environment and the policies and procedures and content within curriculum. And ensuring that it is inclusive for those of gender sexualities and or gender identities. Also take the opportunity to address bullying, homophobic, transphobic and any other sort of uh, issues that occur and the language that is used when it happens as it typically runs rampant and is not addressed effectively. What actions can individuals, activists, workplaces or schools take to empower young LGBTQI people to be more active in their wider community? It's really inspiring to see the power that people have as individuals and activists can share their knowledge, experiences, successes and challenges with those that are interested in creating a more inclusive society. And it's not to say that it's limited to the LGBTIQ young people as allies play such an important role in the community. Workplaces and schools can really offer a tailored training support uh, program to empower others in advocating for LGBTIQ plus rights and inclusion. It's allowing people to have that platform as individuals and activists within the workplace or schools to discuss topics relating to the LGBTIQ plus community and discussing why it's so important empowering other young people because it gives them the opportunity to be comfortable within who they are and hopefully empower them to become more active in their community. What actions can individuals, activists, workplaces or schools take to challenge these harmful social norms? I think the best way to challenge the harmful social norms that exist in society is to not tolerate them. The standard that we walk past is the standard that you accept. And while these social norms really continue to exist, they're only going to continue to be harmful and the best way to change them is to challenge them. 
And it can be done in a variety of ways, and it can be done from something minor, moderate, or something to involve in major intervention. But essentially, we aren't to tolerate them or to subscribe to them, to continue to critically reflect on practices that ensure these norms are unintentionally reinforced. And I think the best way to challenge harmful social norms, it comes down to living as your authentic self and allowing others to see that. Also celebrate those that are actively challenging these norms and intervene in situations where they're not being celebrated. What actions can individuals, activists, workplaces or schools take to support LGBTQI plus youth and show that they aren't alone? I think this is probably similar to the to celebrate question. Because if you celebrate diversity in all its fabulous forms, then you demonstrate the support for the LGBTIQ plus youth and show them that they aren't alone. It's extremely validating to the LGBTIQ plus youth and shows them that they're not alone. And if they see this reflected in, in the world around them, such as sports, media, in the community and leadership positions, just to name a few, it really has such a powerful message. wondering how you can learn more or take action as an individual or as part of a group for LGBTQI plus rights here in Australia. I'm going to go over four of the biggest current issues that our LGBTQI plus community faces. Firstly, there are problems surrounding religious freedoms. There are currently laws that allow religious schools to discriminate against students and teachers based on their sexual orientation, their gender identity, or their relationship status. In October last year, Prime Minister Scott Morrison promised that the government would change our pre-existing laws to ensure that schools could not expel gay students. But nothing has happened yet. In 2019, the government's tune appeared to change. In response to the Religious Freedoms Review, the government highlighted their new goal to further protect and promote the right to freedom of religion, with the following to be actioned as soon as practical. Recommendation 10, enshrining the rights of celebrants to refuse weddings. Recommendation 17, among six other enshrinements, the further analysis of exercising freedom of religion impacting on human rights. Recommendation 18, driving a religious engagement and public education program to enhance freedom of religion. Now, you can help by asking local schools about their policies and how they plan to support their LGBTQI plus students and teachers. Australia also currently has problems surrounding its Safe Schools program. The objective of Australia's Safe Schools program is to create safer and more inclusive school environments, but opposition to the program has mostly stemmed from the misguided perception that extreme sexuality and gender ideologies would be thrust upon primary and secondary students, despite evidence to the contrary. Unfortunately, when these programs are debated, it is often LGBTQI youth who lose out, as queer sexualities and gender identities are rendered invalid by many, and students aren't able to access the inclusive education that they're desperate to receive. Now, you can help by understanding how safe schools, or its equivalent in your state or territory, operates. Misinformation is often circulated, which isolates particular program elements and suggests that it will be mandatory for students of any age. Gender diversity is also a bit of a current issue here for the LGBTQI community in Australia. 
While Labor has moved to reference the Yogi Akata principles, a model for human rights law which advocates the removal of sex markers from birth certificates and provides a guide for LGBTQI human rights, the Liberals don't have an official stance yet. In 2018, Tasmanian Labor and Greens sought amendments when changing the state's marriage act so that it would reflect the legislation of the same-sex marriage and eliminate the need for transgender people to divorce if they wanted to change their legal gender. Now, you can help by finding where your state or territory stands on issues related to forced, trans-divorced or recognising non-binary status. Finally, a big issue that Kira touched on is conversion therapy. Last year, the Australian Labor Party moved to criminalise conversion therapy. The Liberals haven't yet released a stance. However, recommendations from a La Trobe University and Human Rights Law Centre report advised that criminalisation wouldn't work and could drive the practice underground. You can help by joining the movement to drive this issue into the mainstream. There is a joint statement by survivors of sexual orientation change efforts who have developed eight recommendations, including an official inquiry, regulation of advertising, and increased funding of mental health organisations who provide support to survivors. Be supportive of other organisations organizations and networks who stand as activists, protective shields, and safe spaces for those who are vulnerable within the community. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Activist Connect. It was so great to hear from Kira and Brock about defending LGBTQI plus rights here in Australia and abroad with Amnesty and other wonderful organisations like Wear It Purple. Clearly, despite the positive results of the marriage equality campaign, we still have a long way to go to end discrimination, injustice and inequality towards the LGBTQI plus community. Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Activist Connect and I look forward to connecting with you guys in our next episode.